Welcome to Spring the Beacon with Ryan Rieger. Today we're playing Lego, and Daddy has other dice stay on my play Lego. Hey guys, welcome back to the Streams of Income radio show. I'm your host, Ryan Rieger, and today we are chatting with my good friend and returning guest, Mark Willis. Mark is the founder of Lake Growth Financial, and he always brings such good value. And today we are talking about the dollar. What happens, what would happen if the dollar collapsed or if it went away? Uh, and I just um, always enjoy having Mark's perspective on things because he's just level-headed. He'll tell you like it is. Um, he predicts some things on this podcast. I know you want to listen to that, but uh, specifically we also talked about how that, how, how an event like that might affect whole life insurance policies. So he has a program called bank on yourself. Uh, he's a bank on yourself advisor where you're using uh, whole life insurance policies to build wealth. And so I wanted to know personally, what would happen to those policies if the dollar collapsed? And if you have a policy where you're thinking about going that direction at all, you'll want to hear what he says about that. But this is a really good episode. I always enjoy having Mark on. I always learn something new. always take lots of notes. But here is my episode with Mark. Oh, one quick thing before we go there. Uh, go to, if you want to check out the, pol- hear more about the policies, what those are, if you want to talk to somebody, totally free call, uh, go to ryanrieger.com forward slash bank on yourself, ryanrieger.com forward slash bank on yourself. Here's Mark. Mark, welcome back to Streams of Income. Ryan, thanks so much, man. Glad to be on. I don't even know how many times this is now. Maybe if I had to guess, it would be seven or eight. <laughs> I'm like the Steve Martin of secu- of uh, Saturday Night Live with uh, with your show. And I'm so honored, man. <laughs> I'm so right. glad to be back on. <laughs> well, I always love having you on. you for me, it's a little bit selfish because I get to ask you questions that I'm thinking about too. And so, uh, what are we what are we chatting about today? Well, uh, I think you brought up before we hit record uh, something that's been in the in the ether lately. Uh, yeah. There's qu- quite a bit of volatility, not no shortage in the headlines in the news headlines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as we've gone through a major worldwide pandemic, and as we've printed. of all the U.S. dollars that we've ever had in ever, ever in all of existence are currently in circulation today. And we've only seen the U.S. population since 1990. We've seen the U.S. population go up in in number by about 10%. But we've seen the U.S. dollar population, like the number of dollars in circulation has gone up by a thousand percent just since 1990. So that tells you something about why price for homes has gone up. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember my parents bought a house, good house for 90,000 bucks. It was homes in the nineties was on the billboard outside the neighborhood homes in the nineties. Yeah. Cause it was in the 1990s. So I figured that's yeah. what they meant. No, it was 90,000 bucks for a house for a wow. really nice, you know, middle class style house. Mm. Now to get that same house, it would be closer to $900,000. I'm sure, um, uh, because of these, these implications of all this money printing we've done. Mm-hmm. And it's led a lot of people to think, well, wait a minute. Uh, what if, you know, what if other countries stop, you know, buying our treasuries? What if they stop taking dollars for, for oil or gas or whatever? What if we no longer are the world's reserve currency? What if the dollar disappears? And I think that's yeah. the topic you were kind of curious yes. about. It. Did I 
Yeah, absolutely. Because I've been watching, you know, financial news. I watch, listen to people like Robert Kiyosaki, who I respect and obviously yeah. love, love the Rich Dad Poor Dad book. And so he talks about, well, you know, the dollar could go away. And I know you just said that before we hit record that you've heard you've heard that for eleven or twelve years since you've been in this business. Um, but what if it actually did? What would happen to our policies? Um, we're talking about our uh, bank on yourself policies whole life dividend paying whole life insurance policies that you guys could go back to other episodes if you want to know the you know the basics of what those policies are but my wife and i have had had several of them now for years love them and i was literally thinking the other day like i can't wait to talk to mark because i do want to know what would happen to my policy because i go to my i look i log in online i could see the amount of cash value in there and of course it has dollars next to it um, because if I decided to take a loan, I will get us dollars into my bank account. But what if the us dollar doesn't exist? I'm yeah. Like, what, what happens? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's, so let's kind of get into this. So first of all, are we really on the brink of economic collapse? And someday I always tell folks someday there will be the last dollar will, you know, be used to warm somebody in, 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 in their fire, in their fireplace, right? So there will come an end to the dollar. That much is sure. All things on this side of heaven are basically firewood at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the question is how soon? And are we on the brink of collapse? It's really difficult. Niels Bohr once said that it's really difficult to, uh, prediction is extremely difficult, especially when it involves the future, <laughs> which is like every time you predict. Right. So no one knows the future is the short yeah. answer. That's the yeah. short answer. Now, the yeah. slightly more complex answer, it's, it's unlikely the dollar is going to collapse completely in the near term. Mm-hmm. The U.S. economy is still the largest in the world mm-hmm. by far. And, and China is looking weaker and weaker as, as we see more and more reports coming out about the true state of their economy. Uh, and it looks like they may or may not ever surpass the U.S., at least not in our lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is still a, the key place for worldwide investment is in the United States. It's also one of the more stable governments, you know, uh, short of all the craziness you see on CNN or MSNBC or Fox or whatever. It's still more stable than, you know, Venezuela or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but there are certainly some big challenges that the U.S. needs to address. Uh, mm-hmm. So. Here I'll I'll say this. Let's go back to first principles. There are four, or the, excuse me, there are two basic truths that I rely on for the financial benchmark regarding the United States, in, uh, uh, which is one: the American people are always going to have a basic need for currency to purchase goods and services. That's mm-hmm. bar none. You know, money goes back to caveman time. Mm-hmm. So there's always going to be some sort of need to trade with something to intermediate that trade. You know, yep. we're not um, all going to start like grazing chickens and you have the, you, you and your wife make the wool. And so I'm going to trade chickens for wool so we can mm-hmm. sew clothes. Yeah. That's not happening. Bartering. There's a great book on this. It's called debt. The first 5,000 years. Mm. Uh, and it's by David Graeber. Great book about debt, but money and debt are intertwined in his book. And I agree. Even bartering is less favorable than just trading seashells back and forth. Mm. I mean, they've used all sorts of things for money, whether it's a greenback dollar or not. Uh, so that's mm. the first truth is that the American people are always going to have a need for currency. Second, if there and as long as there is free enterprise in America, there's always going to need be a need to raise capital to create or sustain businesses and free enterprise. So Let's kind of dig into this. Uh, yeah. Number one, whether it's the crypto dollar or the U.S. current U.S. dollar, or if we're simply just trading water bottles, we got to have some kind of currency. Yeah, it's better than going into full barter mode, you know, to convince people 
to, yeah. you know, trade your pomegranates for my, you know, sharp axe or whatever. So, you know, if there was if there was so much money created that it just became worthless, it would be a lot like the Weimar Republic in Germany. Uh, you know, the story where like, you know, they printed so much money that, you know, one US dollar was like 10 trillion German marks in yeah. at the end of World War One. Mm. Uh, so, you know, and, until you can really convert all of your wealth into gold, mm-hmm. you know, unless you're King Midas, basically, mm-hmm. um, and it would be really hard to eat gold or live in a house of gold, for example, then we're all going to be subject to currency valuations. Yeah. Uh, so if our government were to default on its debt, uh, then then they might reset the currency and owning gold would be illegal at that point. In fact, if that sounds like a conspiracy theory, uh, you happened, might know right? this. Yeah, it's already happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Tell us tell us that story. Do you know? No, I don't know that? the story, but I, just, I literally was listening to a Robert Kiyosaki podcast episode and I remember them referencing referencing a time when gold was illegal to have. Yeah, yeah, not, not that long ago, under a hundred years ago, actually. Uh, FDR, Franklin Delano uh-huh. Roosevelt, made owning gold illegal in America. In America, wow. Uh, and you know, uh, th- it's possible and even likely. Conservative and liberal outlets on the news are saying it could happen again. So that's mm-hmm. the first piece. The second is, if free enterprise ceases to exist, if we no longer are a a free country, then you know our nation is been maybe either converted to or taken over by like a total totally totalitarian regime mm-hmm. it forbids private ownership you know if we, if we really get to that point then it won't matter what money is because mm-hmm. we'll be owned completely by the state mm-hmm. and it owns us it owns our labor it owns our stuff uh, so somewhere between those two extremes totally free enterprise mm-hmm. where we can trade what we want and then t- you know the the uh, end result of totalitarianism there's like a lot of room to guess as to what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but, you know, maybe I'll hush for a minute. Any feedback or ideas or comments? Yeah, so you're so talking far? about the second would be like we would be in the Soviet Union, correct? Right. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, where yeah. we really own nothing and, and we're either happy or, or not so happy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, if the dollar goes down tremendously, it's going to do a few things. Number one, it'll force interest rates high. And we've already seen some of this. So this zero or negative interest rates that we see in Europe or we saw in Japan or we saw in our own country up until a few years ago, mm-hmm. that's likely more likely to happen is we're going to have interest rates go up and we continue to use the dollar. It's just going to take more dollars to buy our gallon of milk. Mm-hmm. So you asked about bank on yourself policies. Let's get to that for a minute. There's a real big distinction here with whole life insurance. We're not like holding a savings account that happens to have a death benefit attached. That's not what bank on yourself is. And for those folks that don't don't know what it is, the quick skinny and you already brought it up, it's it's using a modernized form of dividend paying whole life insurance. Mm-hmm. And that contra- it's a it's an insurance contract with an insurance company. So it's not like a savings account. It's not even like a mutual fund. It's a contract. And that contract is unilaterally assigned by the insurance company. What does that mean? That just means that the insurance company wrote all the language and you just basically signed agree, yes or no. When it's a unilateral contract, this means that the insurance company cannot just change their mind later on or get out of the contract. Mm -hmm. Courts have sided with the signer of a unilateral contract in in, in all of Western civilization. Mm -hmm. So if you write up all the terms of a deal, 
and you sneak in there some sort of, you know, get out of jail free card into your contract and you send it to me and I sign it. And Ryan, I somehow later find this little get out of jail free card in your in your contract. I could take you to court and and you would lose because you wrote the contract. I just signed it. Yeah. If we'd negotiated that contract, it would be a messier situation. So yeah. does that concept of unilateral yeah. yep. make sense? Yep. So, you know, when we sign a whole life insurance policy, it's a contract unilaterally written by the insurance company. And a few things don't change. One, our policy values won't change. However, the rest of the world will change. So we might have had $500,000 of cash value, and that would have felt rich and beautiful a few years ago. But maybe in the in the future, half a million dollars is only enough to buy you, you know, a nice car and that's it in yeah. the future. So if milk becomes 10 times more expensive, then our existing cash value will be 10 times less valuable to us. Does that make sense? Yep. That concept yep. makes sense. So the policy value can't change. It's a contract. Yep. Uh, so all of the other world assets will change. You know, we'll buy less stuff with our policies. Yeah. But there's a couple of advantages here too. Number one, our whole life insurance premiums do not go up with inflation. So think about that for a minute. In a world where milk and gas and electricity, everything else is getting more expensive, you are contractually given the right to have a premium that will never go up, no matter how bad inflation gets. Like imagine if you had a relationship with a grocery store, Ryan, and they guaranteed you, they signed a contract that your price for your groceries would never be more than a hundred bucks a month, no matter what happened in the world. Like <laughs> eggs are always going to be 99 cents for the yeah. rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> How cool is that? that where, where do I sign? I want that right yeah, now. Yeah. Where do I sign? That's kind of <laughs> what you have with the whole life policy. Yeah. It's one of the only things that does not go up with inflation guaranteed. Guaranteed. Uh, so that's the first piece. So when dollars are devalued, it makes the premiums you're putting into that policy much easier to pay. Mm -hmm. One of the only ways you can do that is is uh, through the contract. Mm -hmm. uh, the other piece is as interest rates rise, that is only good news for dividends. Mm -hmm. The whole life policy actually is somewhat responsive to the overall interest rates, bonds, mortgages. If we have 18% mortgages, like we already have had in this country, by the way, mm -hmm. um, in 1980, mm -hmm. the mortgage rates were up at 21%. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine that? Wow. That's crazy. And guess what? How did dividends do during that period of time? Oh, yeah. Whole life insurance dividends were going into the double digits and, and keeping up with inflation and keeping up with the mortgage rates. So I'm... Not that I want hyperinflation or anything, but I'm kind of cheering on this return to more normal interest rates in this country because it only means good news, Ryan, for your policies, for my policies. Uh, so again, why don't I hush for a minute? What's not clear? What would you like to dig deeper into? No, I think it's very clear. Yeah, I remember we were talking about on a previous episode with you that rising interest rates actually is you know, not great for when you go to the grocery store, but it's uh for your policies is actually a good thing because the dividends will increase. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, as far as the dollar itself, I don't expect it'll go away completely. And one more reason why is because, you know, Congress is the one that issues these dollars and there's an interesting reason why you think about it. Like, why do they require that we pay our taxes in dollars? Why do you think that's why do you think that's the case? Why is it paid in dollars? They they could 
print infinite amounts of money. Yeah. Why would they want us to pay our taxes in dollars? You know, that's you think they'd want to collect other things, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, of all things, they've got a printing press for money. So why do they ask us to give us, uh, give us, give them our tax money? I, I mean, there's a lot of maybe potential answers to that, but the best answer I can come up with is control. And I don't mean to sound conspiratorial. I just mean like in the most positive sense of the word, mm-hmm. they're interested in, you know, influencing our behavior mm-hmm. with things surrounding money. Mm-hmm. They know that if we want to live on the other, the right side of a jail cell, we'll pay our tax bill. <laughs> right. And they use the dollar to by point of the gun, really, to tell us to pay that tax bill in dollars. That's why you don't pay your taxes. That's why your grocery groceries are um, charged in dollars. It's why all of your other assets and are denominated in dollars because the groceryman, the grocer has to pay his taxes in dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay, so why do we not pay our groceries in jelly beans? Because... The grocer is collecting your dollar bill, and then he sends that money, part of it, to the government. Mm-hmm. So that's why we all use the dollar. Now, um, I say control. I just mean things like, you know, investing in real estate and, you know, helping incentivize us to lower our taxes through doing things that are, you know, smart tax saving strategies. Okay, like yeah. again, investing in real estate and other things. Mm-hmm. So I'm coming around to my final thoughts, and I promise I'll hush and get your feedback on all this. But is the dollar going to disappear? The short answer is I don't think so. I don't think so. But even if I'm wrong, here's what happens with our policies. Um, I believe that the dollar is not going away for the reasons I mentioned. Congress is still going to want to, you know, influence our behavior. They're going to use some sort of currency to do so. Uh, I believe that there are still enough people around the world who look to the U.S. as the central, you know, financial hub of the world. Mm-hmm. Too many bank piping plumbing systems are baked into the U.S. dollar at this point, mm-hmm. uh, and they would all suffer greatly if they, meaning other countries, got off the dollar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's all fine and dandy. Now, what if I'm wrong and we do get off the dollar? What happens next? Well, the whole life policy is a contract. We've talked about that. Mm-hmm. And they are required to pay the cash values and death benefits and everything else under the legal tender of the land, mm-hmm. according to the contract. Mm-hmm. So if we move to you know, some sort of crypto dollar or the euro, like you mentioned earlier, um, before mm-hmm. we hit record or, or some other, you know, the, the Swedish kroner or you know, water bottles or, or, you know, Bitcoin or something else, mm-hmm. we would immediately have a new contract, whole life contract denominated in that new legal asset, whatever that is. Okay. So that's what would happen. You'd, you'd see your million dollar death benefit exchanged now for X, do- X, X US dollars have now been converted into Y euro yeah, or, you know, okay. crypto dollar or whatever. So, yeah. Let's talk about implications of that. But first, before I do that, let me get off my high horse. What feedback? No, that's or good. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. To know, like, because I thought, man, you know, obviously, I know these are guaranteed investments. But what happens when, if if the world just like kind of collapsed like that? Would how would the insurance companies 
what would what would how would that affect what they're doing since it's uh yeah you know it's kind of outside their control honestly if something like that happened so what does that do to their obligation to pay us and you mentioned before we hit record too that I mean, I would imagine that if uh, the dollar did go away, I'd still have to be responsible for paying my mortgage. Um, and so how would that's probably that's not that'd be great if it went away. Yeah, yeah, I have no mortgage, um, uh, but it's going to be transferred into something else and I'll still owe that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, you've got a new contract tender is. Yeah, you got a contract with your mortgage company. And assuming the world continues on, I always ask what happens the day after the dollar disappears and assuming your bonds and those there's trillions of dollars of bonds in this world what are they going to do you know because those are coupon right. payments that have to be paid somehow what about every mortgage in the world there's another trillion hundred trillion dollars of uh, mortgage debt out there yeah uh, all those dollars become something else the day after the dollar disappears and i yeah. can't imagine it's a one-day event but if it was the next day what's the day after the rapture going to look like here <laughs> Right. And all contracts would be converted to the new yeah. currency of whatever it is. She, she, sell, she sells, she sells by the she sore. <laughs> right. You'd be basically collecting your new currency, whatever it might be. Yeah. So okay. what can you do to take advantage of this? Let's say, for example, that you saw the writing on the wall, Ryan, and you saw that the dollar was impending its final demise. And you looked at your whole life policies and you had a significant amount of money in there due to all the inflation and whatever else that had gone on. Plus, smartly, you've been packing money into that thing, saving, protecting, growing that money with Mm -hmm. guarantees. So now you have a sizable couple of policies that you can use right away. And I don't know if your listeners know this, but these whole life policies, you can borrow against them. And when you borrow against these policies, the neat thing is they continue to grow and earn a guaranteed interest and also dividends as if you had not borrowed the cash out. Mm -hmm. So let's say you had a half a million dollars of cash value, Ryan, and you decided that, you know what, the dollar's done, I'm moving to gold or whatever you chose. You could borrow against that whole life policy and go buy a bunch of gold Mm -hmm. and Let's say that you were wrong and the dollar becomes stronger and they're actually including the dollar milkshake theory and a couple of other theories out there. There's a couple theories that say the dollar is going to become stronger. And so far, by the way, it has mm. the dollar. Even today, I was looking at the, the reports, the dollar is as strong as anyone could have ever expected a year ago with everything mm. we've been going through. Okay. So interesting. And that's what happened in 2008 too. We all said this is the end of the dollar. You know, this is the global financial crisis. We're leaving the dollar. And all the countries, including China and more, rushed to buy dollars to support their own currency. Mm. So when we thought that was the obituary being written on the dollar and it actually became strongest it's ever been up until this year. So it's now stronger now than it was in 2008. Interesting conversation there. But back to our story, if you're wrong and, and the dollar goes strong and let's say gold fails becomes less valuable well bummer you know you didn't get the beautiful gold bars to quadruple in value (laughs) but you at least got the continuous growth of your whole life policy earning for you yes you have a policy loan that you would repay over time you could do that on your terms but ryan the cool thing is the policy had continued to grow Mm. with dollars 
in that scenario where you borrowed from the policy to buy gold, yeah. gold failed, but the policy continued to grow, at least you won in that scenario. Right. What if you're right and the dollar does collapse and you borrowed all that money out to go buy gold, gold takes off, mm. policy is now, it's still there, but it's mm. converted to a worthless currency of some sort, you know, mm-hmm. crypto dollar or whatever junk they, they give you. But now you have a real asset you can trade with your fellow man in the black market, you know, yeah. using gold coins or whatever. So you win or you win. It's yeah. a, as Robert Kiyosaki likes to say, there's three sides to every coin. There's heads, there's tails, and there's the edge. Play the edge when you use your, your policy. It's a contract with wealth, not with dollars. It's a contract with wealth. And the more wealth you have, the more you can use that for various investments. Push back hard on this, man. If I'm oh, making no sense no, I'm at learning. All. I'm taking notes here. And that's the main question I had. I was like, seriously, I can't wait to talk to you about this because I'm thinking this has been in my mind. Like, you know, I don't <laughs> want to be stupid with things going on in the world. What are, what can I do to be proactive rather than a bit like, I don't want it to be like December of 2007 and, you know, about to get my head chopped off. And, you know, if, if I knew what was going to, if I was, you know, I know folks that are older than us that lost a lot of money in retirement because they were had it in the stock market. Mm-hmm. What could they have done in 2007 to prepare? So I'm thinking the same thing. Like, what do I, what do I, what do I do with the the money that we have? And the, what, how does that affect the policy? So that was a legitimate question. <laughs> you answered it. So, yeah, man. Well, yeah. again, no one knows the future and, you know, certainly we will all find out together, but We've gone through this before. Insurance companies predate the Internal Revenue Service by Mm -hmm. 100 plus years. Mm -hmm. And the US dollar has only been around since after the Civil War. And many of the insurance companies that we work with predate the Civil War. Wow. Um, And life insurance (laughs) continues on, you know? So what were they doing? How were they paying claims before the US dollar? Yeah. Probably how they're going to do it after the US dollar. Yeah, uh, And I have one more thing to say. I promise I'll try to keep this brief. That's good. But I have one more prediction to make since this is an episode about predictions. Yeah. I'm going to predict on this podcast, make it known, you know, write it in the clouds or whatever, mm-hmm. that the book will outlast the Kindle. Mm. That's my bold prediction. Yes. <laughs> yes. And what am I? And, and I would say that, um, that the, the chair will outlast the iPhone. Mm. That's these are my strange and bold predictions. I know it's wild to say, but <laughs> <laughs> so this is something known as the Lindy effect. Mm. The Lindy effect is is a is an idea that the longer something has existed, the longer its life expectancy. Mm. So the longer something's existed, the longer its life expectancy. This means that the Bible will continue to outsell the latest this week's New York Times bestseller because the Bible is uh, surviving. Mm-hmm through thousands of years, whereas yeah. this week's New York Times bestsellers, it's gone next week. Yes. You know? So what does this have to do with your money? Well, whole life insurance predates the stock market. Mm-hmm. It predates crypto. It predates, you know, it goes back thousands of years. If you want to go back to the Roman Empire uh, and, and whole life insurance is a derivative of the insurance contracts that were there in the Roman Empire. So I believe that it will outlast things as new as the US dollar because of the same reason. The yeah. Lindy effect is a reminder that you want to put your money in things that are more permanent than this week's flash in the pan stock 
that you've, yeah. that you've heard, read about on Reddit. So that's my final thought. Invest in things, find things, save money in things that hold to the Lindy effect that have survived and even become stronger during similar situations like we're in today. That's good. So you're saying invest in chairs and books? That's right. <laughs> and water bottles and ammunition and whatever else you think the world is going to need in the future. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, we got, I know you got like six minutes left. Are there any, any case studies, examples of you know, any new client things you're using their policies for anything fun related to that? Mm-hmm. I, I, I know some people just put their money in and they see it grow, but a lot of people will pull money out and buy real invest in real estate um, you said, you even said that Robert Kiyosaki has policies and he invests in, uh, different things, you know, after borrowing not from those policies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in general? you know, there's, there's so many op- options here and guys check out our shows, uh, at not your average financial podcast. If you want to get all the details, we just interviewed someone who used his policy to buy his house. And then later he used his same policy after he had, got into the house, he used it to um, purchase some solar panels on the house. Mm-hmm. Not only did he get the solar panels, but he also got the tax credit and the he actually got paid to install his solar um, due to the tax credits. Yeah. And and the policy, cont- he, he used his policy to get a better deal on the solar panels by paying a lump sum versus getting on their That's payment awesome. plan. So he bought his house with cash pulling out, after pulling out yep. money from the policy. And so then That's he right. just paid him, he just made a mortgage with himself then, correct? That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of people are doing that right now because interest rates have gone up dramatically. The mortgages yeah. I'm seeing are seven, whatever percent even. Okay. Well, life policy loans are going to be dramatically less than that. And you're yeah. in control of that repayment process. So you can, you know, build your own mortgage. You can set up your own repayment plan. So cool. Skip a few payments, whatever. A lot of people are using that as an all cash purchase yeah. or even as uh, one more example is to use it for private lending. If you want to mm-hmm. lend money to somebody else who wants to buy a property. Yes. Uh, so they can just basically be the mortgage company, you know, mm. lots of creative ideas. That's awesome. So guys go to, um, I mean, my wife and I have several of them now and love them. So go to ryanrieger.com forward slash bank on yourself. Uh, and, uh, yeah, call, you can, once, when they do that, the thought of form, I'll send the lead over to you guys and you'll either talk to uh, Mark or one of the guys on his team about your specific situation, but it's a totally free call just to chat with them and see if this might be a fit for you. Yeah. Maybe I'm blind and I missed something major on this dollar thing. And I'm very much on the front the bleeding side of the cutting edge here with just learning, give me all of your feedback, push back on this as hard as you want. You know, I'm not afraid to talk about these topics and we need to be aware of what, what the implications are yeah. positive or negative, you know, cause yeah. it's your money. No one should care more about it than you do. So yeah, bank on it's a uh, ryanrieger.com slash bank on yourself. Awesome. Well, thank you. Appreciate you being on again, man. My pleasure, brother. Great to be on the show with you, man. All right, we'll see you next time.